Well, I want to as well wish our mothers, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers a happy Mother's Day. What a joy to be with you today. Can we just say thank you to our moms and grandmothers and great-grandmothers that are with us? It's just so beautiful. I do have to say, as I was watching the children, I'm just like, how could one church be blessed with so many beautiful children. And those were just a sampling of all the kids in Fox Valley Church. It's just gorgeous, beautiful to see all those kids and see them express their faith. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, the Bible is is full of stories of women coming out of diverse situations, much like what we find at Fox Valley Church. I, I think of people like Ruth, right? Or someone, Ruth, who lost her husband and didn't have children. Or we think of someone like Sarah or Rachel or Hannah that were barren. Or we think of others like Mary who had to watch her son die a horrible death. And, and we see these different stories all through scriptures. And we see some women, they are thriving in Scripture. We see some women that are struggling in Scripture, and then we see some women that are, are going under, right? The, the Bible just lays it all out there. And so this morning, what I want to do is, is ask a simple question. I, I do want to focus on moms today. Although the message brings all of us in and certainly applies to all of us, I wanted to really speak to the heart of moms and grandmothers and great-grandmothers today. And the question is, what does God want? What does God want for moms and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, right? right? We, we get messages from all sectors of our culture today of how to do all these different things, but at the end of the day, we just gotta pull back and say, now, now what is it that, that God wants? So this morning, to answer that question, I wanted to dive into some wisdom literature. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. If you're able to stand, if you could just stand, it's a way we honor the Word at Fox Valley Church. It's a way to say this is is a moment where it's not just a blog that you're reading or you know some other thing that we're coming across. This is the Word of God. And, and let's look at what... God has given us this morning. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Father, (laughs) thank you that you didn't leave a vacuum. That you spoke into this this world 
and, and you're speaking today, and you have a word for us. You have a message that you want our hearts to hear. Not merely our minds to be tickled, but something to get lodged into our hearts that would shape us and change us, and yes, mold us. So God, we ask that you would give us ears today to hear, that give us hearts that will be willing to accept your word and walk in it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may grab a seat. I was telling my wife this week, Mother's Day is one of these days that's so hard because people come from so many diverse situations, right? There's people here today and and mom, mom failed. She just was not there for you and you are still carrying the wounds or the scars from that. Or, or some of us, we, we're, we're struggling to try to make life work and, and, and we just keep failing or we keep wondering, is, is there a way forward? And, and this list of questions goes on and I find that because so many women have struggled with loss, uh, sometimes losing their mothers, sometimes losing their babies, it, it's just another time that there's, there's a lot of pain. And so I want to be sensitive as we go there, but I also want to recognize is that somehow in the big picture of all this, God has a plan. And, and that's really what I, I want to bring home. The first idea is this, is that moms are God's idea. Moms are God's idea. I didn't create this. The culture didn't create this. This was all rooted in God. And so we think of like Genesis 1.27. Remember God said that he made us male and female. And so out of that female, he then said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, we could just say if that was the end of the Bible, who knows how we'd be coupling up, Right? <laughs> But in Genesis chapter 2, he lays out the plan that there's to be a foundation of marriage. There is to be a mom and a dad, right? And they're to leave their families and to establish their own homes. And right there, we begin to enter a journey of pain. Because we know in Fox Valley Church, we have an amazing number of single moms, Single moms that are just struggling to make ends work. And so you you hear a message like this and you're like, man, does God have something for me? Right? Or or sometimes we, we hear stuff like this and we're like, I wanted to be a mom, but God never opened that door. Or or we go down this path and we say, Okay, yeah, it's it's God's idea and God's plan, but it didn't work out, this whole home idea. What I want to encourage us with always as a church is Always keep the ideal out there. Even if we don't strive for it or or achieve it, we should strive for it. So the ideal was God's plan that there would be a man and a woman coming together in holy matrimony, building a home together, a safe foundation for children. But we know in this fallen, broken world that doesn't always happen. And so we got to move forward as best as we can by the grace of God. But I don't want any single mom here ever to think that just because things didn't work out in one direction that God doesn't have another plan and that God's not going to work. Or, I know this, there's a number of spiritually single moms here and they're fighting the fight of faith. And God wants you to know He cares, He sees, and He is moving 
things forward for us. So as we think about this, I just want us to be filled with hope that God doesn't abandon us, that God's at work, that God's doing amazing things, even in the midst of the complexities of life in the 21st century. And we have really complicated a lot of things. But what I do want you to hear is that a significant part of God's overall plan is for moms. The weightiness of motherhood cannot be diminished. The seriousness of motherhood cannot be exaggerated. But let me just add to that, not only the weightiness and the seriousness, I want to add this, is that being a mom is an impossible responsibility. Now just pause right there. If it's impossible, what is God doing? What God is doing is telling us this morning is that which is impossible for us is possible for Him. So this responsibility that is serious and that's weighty, that has great impact, God is saying it's got to start with me. It's got to be built on the foundation of me. And so as we read these Proverbs today, as we read especially where we dig into a couple verses, it all starts with God, assuming the presence of God. So as we read at the beginning of Proverbs uh, 1 to 6, what's being laid out here is that God wants to speak to us. But just like a lot of people think that the Old Testament is just filled with rules and commandments and regulations, and certainly they are there, but they're in the New Testament as well. So let's not divide the Testaments that way. But one of the things I love about God is He's calling us to a posture of wisdom that requires us to think and to meditate and to rely on God's Word so that we can apply it skillfully so that we can live out what God wants. And so sometimes when we read the Proverbs, we say, yeah, those are just probabilities if you do that. But I don't want to diminish what is happening here. You know, you've heard this said. A lot of people, I probably have even said it, is these aren't promises in Proverbs. They're just ways that we should live. And that is true. They're not promises that you can take to the bank. On the other hand, Underneath it is a God who is incredibly faithful that we can rely on His faithfulness as we follow His plan. And so what He wants you and me to do is live in the path of wisdom. So as we think about this, moms are God's idea. Let me bring us what I think is most significant is that moms carry a sacred mission. Moms carry a sacred, sacred mission mission. Now, what do I mean by that? First of all, the idea of sacred is the idea that there is a God and that we're not Him and that we're accountable to Him. And here's what God is doing, moms. He's taking an eternal soul that He created that's most precious in His sight and He's entrusting it to your care. Now that's weighty. An eternal soul entrusted to your care. 
You have the opportunity to shape the hearts and the minds of your child or your children. That is a sacred mission. So we all have to ask, what are we doing? Moms have to delve into a deep question. Where am I taking my child or my children? But I want to bring grandparents in because never before in the history of the world have grandparents been alive long enough and longer to be a significant player in the lives of their grandchildren. And so grandparents, you need to be intentional about what you're doing as a grandparent. And great-grandparents, I mean, this is an amazing day that even great-grandparents are here to be a part of building in a legacy that will last for generations. And that's what we're going to see in the Scriptures this morning. So as we think about this sacred mission, there's two things that I want to say. And here's the first one. Teaching and showing the fear of the Lord. What does God want moms to do? He wants moms to teach and show the fear of the Lord. That's what we saw in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge. Now let, let's just take that little phrase apart, the word Lord. Now many of us don't even notice this, we read our Bibles, but if we read our Bibles carefully, sometimes the word Lord is all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and in this case it is. And when you see that, this is the way the English Bibles try to bring out a Hebrew distinction, as the Bible was written in the Old Testament in Hebrew, is that we're talking about Yahweh. Yahweh. This is God who revealed himself in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3, and said, I am that I am. This is the God who says, I am. And this is really what God Jesus crucified was when he said and aligned himself with I am. This is a God who says, I'm the creator. I'm the one who designed you. I'm the one who made you. I am Yahweh. I am all powerful. I am all knowing. And the Bible is filled with stories so that you and I will see who Yahweh is. And so what the Bible is telling us in Scripture this morning, the wisdom is this, is that we cannot have it if we don't start with the fear of who Yahweh is. Now, when we say the fear of the Lord, sometimes what we want to do is just tear these phrases apart bit by bit and then somehow try to cobble them back together. Can't really do that with this phrase. The fear of the Lord, that phrase, or the fear of Yahweh, should be taken together. And what that phrase means is simply this. That we should be in awe and reverence that brings about a humility and an obedience. So when you read a phrase, fear of Yahweh, fear of the Lord, it should cause an awe because this is the Creator. You think of how beautiful creation is and how amazing it is. Well, there's the Creator, Yahweh, that made that. When you think of the intricacy of the human body, and we're exploring it more and more in the scientific studies that are just exploding on the brain, and we think, who made this? Who designed it? It was Yahweh. And we should be in awe 
law. And when we begin to realize that we are the created ones by the creator, it should cause a reverence. And so pulling these things together, there's an awe of what God did. And I could just go on for all morning talking about all that God has done through history, not only in his creation, but how he providentially moves history along. And we say, man, I'm in awe. How could he do this with the complexity of using the human will and yet working his ways and moving history in a direction to fulfill his purposes? And we stand in this awe, but then we see him as this king, this creator, and we want to revere him as that. And our natural response should be worship and service worship and obedience that's that that's what this fear of the lord is bringing us to but now if you say wait a minute that's so abstract could you get it down to the street level what does fear of yahweh mean for me today it means that god has infused this world with purpose and that you have a purpose an infinite strategic purpose in the plan of God, that your life matters. Regardless of how it feels and regardless of where the world is going, your life matters. It, it brings us to the place that there's order in this chaos and there's value that Yahweh brings and we can live in that context. We know who we are. We know that we are His creatures, that we are made in His image, that every one of those children that were up here and all the children in the world have infinite value, infinite dignity, regardless of the special needs that some of them have, regardless of all these different things, they have the image of God stamped on them for eternity. And so what the... Psalm Solomon is bringing us into is the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. We, we, it's a non-starter if you don't start with God. And so when we live in a culture that continues to try to pull God away, no wonder we're lacking wisdom when we don't yield to his ways and his values and his directions. It says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says this. It says the conclusion. Now, Ecclesiastes is another book of just wisdom. Like, you could just spend years and years and years. Like, we could do this for wisdom in the Proverbs or in Ecclesiastes. But at the end of Ecclesiastes, it says this. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments. Notice that. Fear God, that this reverence and this awe, and then he just unpacks it and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. So that's where it goes. But what I want to do is take this idea now, this fear of Yahweh, this fear of the Lord, and let's just look at a couple other Proverbs. Here's one that I would like to look at, and they'll come up on the screen, is Proverbs chapter 14, verses 26 and 27 it says in the fear of Yahweh one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge so moms let's just read that with you in the context if you're in the fear of Yahweh if you see him in awe and you revere him and serve him look what happens that mom will have a strong 
confidence. Well, what's that talking about? It's talking about a resiliency in life. Because as a woman, for the first time, you know who you are. That you are a child of God. That you have infinite value. That you don't have to do everything this world says to feel good about yourself. Because God says, I love you. I adore you. You are my daughter. And so when we read this and we see this person that fears Yahweh and Proverbs 14, there's a strong confidence. So when this world is, is just awash in troubles of understanding truth, the Bible says God is truth. When we sit here and, and look for ways to live and we get confused, God says, just follow me. I'll show you moms how to live. Right? That, that's what shows the confidence. It, it's when we know what really, really matters in life. That's the mom that's going to have this strong confidence. Well, where is she going to get that? Well, she's going to get it from Yahweh. He's the one that's going to say who she is, what really matters in her home, and where things need to go. But I want you to look at where the proverb then presses. It says, and her children will have a refuge. You see what that's saying? Moms, if, if you revere God, if you honor God, if you obey God, there will be a place of safety, a place of security in your home. It, it somehow spills over into your children. What a great hope for single moms. What a great hope for spiritually single moms that as you try to organize your life, as you try to order your days, remember to keep God first because that is what's going to give you the confidence and that is what's going to bring security to your children. Verse 27, the fear of Yahweh is a fountain of life. This is where you really get energy and drive and passion for life. It's rooted in God. He's the fountain in life. And so when we put God in this rightful place of reverence and awe, worshiping and serving Him, then we find a fountain of life. They're just coming together. Well, we see the opposite too, don't we? Just pause for a moment and think of your lady friends. That they push God to the extremes. He, he's on the fringes of life. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to scratch out purpose and meaning and value. And they can't make life work. And they're going to go through cycles and seasons and years of trying to make life work on their terms, and it'll never happen. Remember Henry David Thoreau, he was the one who said, the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. Boy, that resonates with us. You understand what, he, what he's saying there, this, this idea of uh, quiet desperation, is that their lives are empty. They lack purpose. They're confused about values. Because they have pushed God to the extremes. They've pushed Him to the fringe. He's no longer central and center in their lives. So the Proverbs are telling us that there, 
the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Why? That one may turn away from the snares of death. Death isn't just a physical death. It's the alienation. It's the isolation. It's the brokenness that comes from trying to live a life without God. I don't talk a lot about my mom. My mom, though, raised seven kids. And if I pull back and ask, what legacy did my mom leave for me? I would say, and I wrote down three things. The first one was this. My mom pointed me to God. We had seven kids, and she put me in a private school. My dad didn't make a lot of money, and we were always living in a tight way. We lived in a small house. Most of my life was a three-bedroom house with one bathroom. And so things were tight. We had a schedule in the morning for how long you could be in the bathroom. And if you took more than a few minutes, right, the next person would be pounding on the door because school bus was coming and we had to get out the door. But we made it work. But I just look back on my mom pointing me to God. The second thing I wrote down was people are more important than things. She models that. She lived it all of her life. Even today, even today, when I watch her, she'll be 90 years old this summer, this August. She still continually works to connect with people. She can hardly see. Her hearing's bad. She can hardly get around and she's on oxygen tanks, but she's constantly going up to people and saying hello, asking about them. I'll never forget these in my life, that value. But probably the last one is what hit me the most about my mom is sacrifice. Maybe that could be said of all moms. There's just an incredible amount of sacrifice. My wife reminds me over and over that kids wrecked her sleep forever. (laughs) There's sacrifice that comes with being a mom. Sometimes it's sacrifice of money. Certainly it's a sacrifice of time. And it's always a sacrifice of energy. And my mom just modeled that. So when I read these Proverbs, I see my mom and all that she did. But let me hit another proverb, Proverbs 19.23. It says, the fear of Yahweh leads to life. If we do this, it's going to lead to life. And it goes on, and whoever has it, rest satisfied. Notice the anxiety is stripped away. That's what it means when it says rest satisfied. The one who has the fear of the Lord rests satisfied. They go to sleep at night because they say, I know who I am. I know where I fit in this place in the world. I know that I have purpose. And I know that I did what I could do today and tomorrow I get another day of grace. Right? I mean, things begin to fit together so that you can rest. And then he goes on, he will not be visited. That mom will not be visited by harm. There's a security in that. Not that there won't be external things, but nobody, mom, can rob you. Steal the inner strength that comes with walking with God. 
That's what's so powerful. Let me hit another one. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of Yahweh than great treasure and trouble with it. Now this just fits for America because we are so after money. It becomes just a driving force in so many of our lives, but the Proverbs reminds us better is to be poor. Maybe in a simple three-bedroom house with kids bunked up, fighting over a bathroom, than great treasures and all the troubles with it. So the Proverbs has just given us wisdom of trying to help us with our values and our priorities. So moms, you need to teach and show your kids the fear of the Lord. They're watching you. They watch how you worship. Grandmothers, they watch whether God still matters, whether you're walking with God, whether you're continuing to seek God. Great-grandmothers, God is. these kids are watching you as you worship the Lord, and they will recall that. Let me hit my second point real quickly, teaching and showing God's counsel. Teaching and showing God's counsel, right? So we not only talk about and show the fear of the Lord, God's counsel becomes really, really significant. And what I mean by that is what we see in Proverbs here that we read, hear my son, your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. He's talking about instruction, talking about in teaching, bringing our kids into the story of God. It's that simple. Taking our children into the big story of God. We all have our little stories, but moms, it's bringing your children into God's big story. That he's the creator, he's the king, he's the one to whom we'll all give an account. Remember, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so what God is doing is reminding us that we need to do that. The question is, how? How do we do this? Let me just give you a few things I wrote down. First of all, pray with your child or your children and pray for them. You're praying with them and for them. Never forget how significant that is, whether they're going off to school whether they're going to bed at night, whether they're going out on a sports team or going out for theater or music or whatever they're doing, bathing their lives in prayer. You'll never regret because that's how we keep God first and center. Secondly, read the Word to them. Read the Word. Not necessarily pages and pages. It's got to be age appropriate, but keep the Word in front of them. Sometimes Scripture, post it on your refrigerator, painted on your walls, keeping these things in front of your kids. Thirdly, I wrote, teach. Just teach. Teach them what the word means. If you don't know what the word means, don't make it up. Tell them, I don't get this passage myself. Let me go study it. Let me go talk to some other women. Let me go find out what God is trying to say to us. But let them explore because when your children discover the joy of learning, that becomes lifetime. If you just give them all the details, then they don't discover for themselves. Let them become self-feeders. Here's a fourth I wrote down. Books, art, and music. Scatter your house with books, moms. Grandmothers, great-grandmothers, one of the best gifts you can give your grandkids and your great-grandkids is to give them great books 
to read about stories of amazing women that lived by faith, amazing men that lived by faith. Give them these biographies to read. Sometimes they're age-appropriate for three-year-olds and four-year-olds, and, and these stories begin to grip their imagination. Give them good Bible story books that they can, uh, can get into. They don't need more toys all the time. What they need is some good things to read. Buy great art. Not just white art, but we're predominantly a white church, but we should celebrate diversity and remind them that the church of God is very ethnically diverse. Give them diverse art and let them see how God is working in and around the world. Kindle their imagination. Fuel their minds with great, great art. Music should just come into the home and let it be a blessing to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Fill the house with music. Bless them with that. Some of us have great musical talent and abilities. Fill your grandkids with it, your great-grandkids with it, and moms, certainly your children as well. Fifth, conversation. Conversation. Don't ever shrink back from conversation. What I mean here now is not lecturing. That's not a conversation. That's a lecture. I'm saying let your kids explore questions at every age. Where do babies come from? That's a great question. How do babies get made? Great question. Let's think about that. Let's explore it. And bringing it back to God is just amazing. As children, as they get into their teens and their late teen years, and they're asking all kinds of identity questions. Don't shrink back from that. Explore it with them and have great conversation as you, you start looking at, well, what does God say about this? Let's think about it instead of lecturing and pointing and all the rest. And then the last I wrote down was a community of faith, a church. One of the great things I'm grieving right now as a pastor is the number of people walking away from church. Oh, I can do church on my home, at my home. I can do it online. You can't. God never intended it. I'm not saying you can't watch a service online. I'm not saying you can't gain from a service online. I'm not saying you can't experience God. What I'm saying is it's not church. Church is the church gathered, and we experience amazing things. Kathy and I, will be eternally grateful for the women and men in this church that have poured into our children. What we could not do as parents, other women and other men did in this church. And we are eternally grateful. We need the church. Our young children need them. Our teens need them. And we all need them. So, as I look at what does God want from moms, let me just close with this. Moms have a sacred mission to live a vibrant faith in the true and living God and show our children how to worship and serve Him. At the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. Did I show my children? Did I point my children? Did I bring them into a place of worshiping the true and living God. All of this comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one that opened up the true wisdom of God. He's the one that's called wisdom in the New Testament. So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of Yahweh. 
We'll never understand who Jesus Christ is until we understand who God is as the creator, as the father, and what he was doing to bring people into relationship with him. Let's pray together. Father, I am so glad we have so many moms here today, so many grandmothers and great-grandmothers. What a gift that you have given this church, a wealth of information of women that have walked with you. They're faithful, they're here, they're trying, they're struggling. God, would you give them the grace they need today? And then tomorrow we'll ask for more grace. I ask that you would bless the moms here. Give them the strength and the courage to believe you when the winds of this culture are blowing against them. And God, for those that are grieving the loss of their moms, for those that are grieving the loss of their babies, for those that are grieving this great loss of precious women in our lives, would you carry us along and fill us with hope that this life is not all there is, that there is more to come forever and ever. And it's all built into the most beautiful name that you have ever given us, the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.